0: I'm Elizabeth Scanlon, and this is the American Poetry Review Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, I don't know if you listened to our previous episode with Kazem Ali, but just to refresh your memory, uh, what we're listening to today will be part two of an event that we had here in Philadelphia on October 20th, where we had the delight of both Kazem Ali and Major Jackson uh, reading from their new books. The portion that we'll be listening to today, of course, is Major Jackson, uh, who, aside from being a longtime friend of the American Poetry Review and a board member, mind you, um, uh, is just An extraordinary poet um, and really such a citizen of the poetry world. His, uh, you know, his fame grows, of course, as the host of the Slowdown podcast, which we love and recommend. Uh, He is the author of five other volumes of poetry. He's the poetry editor of the Harvard Review, um, and he teaches at Vanderbilt University. Um, The poems that he will be reading tonight, uh, or I should say, that he was reading uh, on October 20th when we captured this audio, um, again, are from his new and selected volume called Razzle Dazzle. Please enjoy Major Jackson. Please welcome a hometown hero, Major Jackson.
1: Good evening, everyone. My first thing to say is, um, as a board member, I'm impressed to say, if you haven't made your donation yet to a nonprofit, please consider (laughs) making a donation. And uh, yes, we need to do that work. Uh, But I want to say, um, uh, genuinely, this is one of the important institutions And it truly is an institution in my mind, not just in Philadelphia, but in the country and maybe arguably uh, one of the important journals in in the world that uh, stewards an art that always reasserts itself in our lives, particularly during moments of personal and collective crises. So this is um, one of the places I come to when we are living through moments like we're living now, I want to hear what the poets are writing about and what they're saying. Kazem, um, uh, ah, dear friend. Beautiful work. Uh, we are not washed up. We're not washed up. I see, um, we're, washed. We're, we're washed, right? <laughs> it, we're it's a rinse. A new and, new and selected is a, is a rinse cycle. Um, which is to say we are kind of, at a hinge moment in our lives as artists. Um, so thank you all for coming. If I said each one of your names, it would be the first poem uh, tonight. If I said all of them together, uh, thank you for being here. Um, each one of you have given me something, uh, either a conversation or a phrase. I'll never, um, I remember when I first met uh, Daisy Freed writing in the Philadelphia Weekly about poetry and used this phrase that was very useful for me. The thing about poetry is art song. Art song. I love that uh, phrase and have been living with it. I'm going to read... Um, oh, man. I wanted to read this f- a new poem since you read a new poem, but my phone died. Uh, well, that's okay, because we, we live in an age where I have to say... All the poems were written by me That's the first thing you should know This is the first poem uh, The title, if you want to know The title of that poem I was going to read Because I know Cosm is also into astrology uh, was called uh, All the Poets are Virgos <laughs> But my phone died Let me begin again It's the first poem in the book Let me begin again as a quiet thought in the shape of a shell, slowly examined by a brown child on a beach at dawn straining to see her future. Let me begin this time knowing the drumming in my dreams is me inheriting the earth, is morning lighting up the rivers. Let me burn my vanities, old music in the pines, a snifter, a scotch, a day moon like a signature of night. This time, let me circle the islands of my fears only once, then live like a raging waterfall and grow a magnificent mustache. Let me not ever be the birdcage or the serrated blade or the empty season. Dear glacier, dear sea of stars, Dear leopards disintegrating at the outer limits of our greed, soon we will encounter you only in motivational tweets. Reader, I should have married you sooner. This time, let me not sleep like the prophet who believes he's seen infinity. Let me run at breakneck speeds toward sceneries of doubt. I have no more dress rehearsals to attend. Look closer. I am licking my lips. So um, I'm so happy we brought uh, Mahmoud Darwish into the room, and um, Giannis Ritzos, whose house I visited last summer in um, in the Peloponnese in Monavasia. Uh, and Neruda, all of them really important poets to me. In that spirit, I'm going to read about the mesquita when I visit uh, Cordova. Córdoba. Um, one of the, what was exciting about, uh, I was in Salobrinya, which is on, in the furthest south, um, but it was not too far from where um, Lorca was killed. Um, No one told me that if you drive the roads of Spain, there's these big cutouts of of Mm bulls, which is really exciting. Cordoba, Mesquita. Even if he pulled over to study Andalusia's road signs, after 1,001 nights, he still could not make out its calligraphic script. Its vertical lines, its dots, marks like smoke stilled from incense. It's curled, sand-soft Arabic. But this city's voice has coffin's and carnations, And its hoarse singing shoots through him like 12 bars of earthen road that lengthens into a labyrinth of knowing blood beneath black skin. More echoes. The la Alhambra sent him back to the Seraglio of his youth, where a Moorish guard stood in a museum, unfazed by a harem's rising laughter behind palace doors. Here are pillars and banded arches to once again imagine the body passing through like a key into infinity. Was this the answer to his ghetto past? But why travel so far? Since a child, even in sleep, he voyaged and broke free, tossing dice in dreams, once below deck on a caravel next to grains of paradise. He's collecting a thousand faces. He's moving beneath eyelids, turning time into flesh. The courtyard's orange trees, where once he washed like a morisco, are teaching his tongue the craft. Salubrinha, that stretch of mountains, features white windmill blades whose slow turns are rifles aiming. For I cannot help but think of Lorca's killing between here and the village Alphacar and the firing squad's gun pops are that flamenco dancer's hill stops. I bring back, too, her brisk hand claps, and the cantor's Andalusian moans like dried sticks or bones crumbling in his throat. Only souvenir shops and steep winding streets secrete in this region's stacked brochures. Her dress spills across the restaurant's floor like a red shadow, darker than billboards of black bulls high above roadways, motionless but seeming to gallop like Franco's brigades. All seeing is an act of war, tanks and artillery, or Spanish castles and mosques. I choose to lose, and beneath a watercolorous sky, study her splendor, nude against the unruffled backdrop of the Alboran Sea, whose waves match my size, and bombs this beach, launching sprays of white duds. La Baraka Blues Suite. Beneath canopies of green, unionists march doggedly outside the embassy. Their den was no match for light lancing through leaves of madrone trees lining the paseo, then flashing off glossy black maybox, skidding round a plaza like a monarch fleeing the paparazzi. Your voice skipped and paused like a pencil. Layers of morning pastries flaked gingerly, then fell soft as vows on a china plate. One learns to cherish the wizened reserve of old-world manners, two blotched hands making wings of a daily paper beside us between sips of café con leche, a demeanor, in short, gentle as grand edifices along this boulevard. Yet Guernica is down the street, and some windshields wear a sinister face, sometimes, too, think Goya, just south of here on the lower slopes of the Sierras. Fields of olive groves braid the land like a Moorish head, but those sultans were kicked out long ago. In the lobby of the hotel urban, I wait for a cab, my obedient rolling bag like a pet beside me. I have loved again another city, but Madrid is yours, her caped olays, her bullish flag, her glass pavilions and outdoor tables like a festival of unbroken laughter, our dark harbors finding level. So I want to be, um, maybe read some, I missed the singing. It was like a Greek chorus. I was like, it was so beautiful behind you. Okay. They're breaking bread. Yes. Exactly. Um, poem with a, so that image of the uh, Moorish chief appeared in that, um, in that uh, poem. And all of you know it if you grew up in Philly and went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And it was a very startling image for me to encounter as a young boy. Um, I'm gonna say at age eight or nine, seeing the Moorish chief. And I always thought he was a chief. And uh, the painter got it wrong. He was actually a guard. Um, and, the, and, and in fact, uh, well, I can go on about what they, do to guard, what they did to guards back then. Poem with borrowed image from Marc Chagall. Most days I'm full of spacious meadows golden fields of yarrow and lupin undulating in a veil among free anarchists. Most days I hold it together like the hairpins in my mother's head. Then other days it is as though I am floating sideways in a sour aquarium. Most days I have the faith of coffee makers. Most days I sit side saddle and blow fire. Then other days it is as though I am a line of ants disappearing into a half-eaten peach. Some days I am a scholar of tiny differences, and visit museums where I am a hostage to the visionaries whose indelible dreams arrive like ecstatic breezes, especially on the fourth floor, where I stair step my way to the gilded halls and peer deep into the still lives of fruit and water pitchers and pheasants, which remind me, I'm told, of my mortality, except I would have included dishcloths and detergent next to a carcass of a rotisserie chicken. All suffering goes this way. We are poor devils made wise by the heft of our wrecks. Some days I scatter fistful of stars out of words. Making things. Actually, sticking with art, the ocean you answer to. The letter had not been sung, and the fire not yet delivered. The traffic light caressed your thoughts and waited patiently. Sunlight sizzled with onions and two tablespoons of olive oil. And a dark skillet yearned for its splash of garlic. All was still. Unseen, many marveled in the comfort of their tiny utopias. But you stood like music with your breath outstretched, waiting for eternity to enter your arms. Some thought, this is the moment before the undertow of our lives. Only a few considered the artist, on her way to a first brushstroke, or the prayer that would last like a comet, or the smile that reached the hand on the beloved's hip. Sunlight like golden leaves close to falling put you in the mind of Christos and Jean-Claude in a trailing swath of saffron rivering above your head. The ocean you answer to possesses a hint of infinity, like a neckline, like cross currents in June. Only the withered and lonely did not fill the fire. I love it. I love it. Making Things. Suddenly I had to skewer all my prayers and roast them in the open air kitchen of my imagination. I had to shovel fire into my laughter and keep my eyes from blinking. I had to fuss like a cook simmering storms. I had to move like a ballet dancer but without the vanity and self-consciousness of tradition. I had to blur my scars so I could write into time and carry the sensation of walking like a morose and heavy American sporting a yellow ascot over Pont Saint Michel. I want to be all razzle dazzle before the dark cloak one arrives for a last game of chess. My font of feelings is a waterfall and I live as if no toupees exist on earth or mass that silence the oppressed or anything that does not celebrate the red flame. Excuse me. My eyes are not like what they used to be. Or anything that does not applaud the sycamore's tribute to the red flame, like the heat beneath my grandmother's heart, who never raised a ghost but a storm. So look at me standing on the porch, threatening. See what I mean? <laughs> I didn't want to do this. It's right. OK. So look at me, standing on the porch, laughing at the creek, threatening to become a raging river. For this reason, I'm trying to memorize my poems. So I'm not uh, reliant on my eyes, but on, on my memory. Um, the um, most of what was written here was over 20 years, and then, as you can imagine, um, the pandemic, the global health crisis, I like to call it, came along, <clears throat> and um, a good number of those poems, of the new poems, was written during that uh, during that period, and I tried as much as I can not to have the poems be interpreted through uh, through that lens, and so it was fun to give myself um, writing assignments, and one of them was I realized I had never written well, you know, if you're a poet, you have to write a sonnet. You have to write a poem about the moon, and you have to write an ode. And I would never written an ode, so when I settled on writing an ode, I couldn't think of one thing, so I decided to write a poem called Ode to Everything. Somehow, I have never thought to thank the ice cream cone for building a paradise in my mouth. And can you believe I've never thought to thank the purple trout lily for demonstrating its six-petal dive, or the yellow circuit in a traffic light for illustrating patience. My bad. In my life, I I have failed to praise the postman, whose loyalty is epic, the laundress who treasures my skinny jeans and other garments, and the auto repairman who clings a wrench inside my car tightening her own music. Were my name called and I were summoned on a brightly lit stage to accept a little statuette after staring in utter disbelief, I would thank my dentist as well as my neighbor who sits vigil beside the dying far away from the lights and my fourth grade teacher who brought down three tape rulers on my hands as punishment for daydreaming out a window During an exam, I already completed. Mia culpa. Now that I know the value of the peaks across from Flanders Hill, I will forever express reverence for their green crowns. I will never fail again to say small devotions for the scar on a friend's face that lengthens when I walk into a room. And this is my um, last poem. And um, it is, it's called Lovesick, which is the title of this, the new poems. Lovesick. First, you will need to cross some dark threshold. I suggest lying on your back in a pasture of cut rye grass or in a city park. I suggest planting an arm behind your head You have inherited acres of a night sky, and she is your aurora borealis. And though you cannot see the world's wild shadows, here she will be nacreous, grace wavering, in bands of blue-green light, ribbons of gold neon swimming beneath skin. You will want to write a long letter to your dead. You will encounter her mind as a kind of iridescent song, heroic and dense. You will feel fetched as though from some polluted river. Her glances will pass over you like folklore. Do not be afraid. This is wonder mirroring itself and breaking across your face, endless treetops and silhouette, knowing looks of your elders. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for coming.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please join us again soon. I'll be back in the studio with Stephen and Hannah. Uh, very soon talking about all the new work in our November-December issue. Uh, If you've seen that one with Prigita Sharma on the cover, we're really excited to talk about that too. So please follow us on social media. The American Poetry Review can be found on Instagram, threads, and Facebook.